Welcome, everybody. It is PMP Weekly, episode 146. It is 6th of December. It is Independence Day in Finland, so it is a public holiday. Woo-hoo. Which is why you're at work. Exactly. <laughs> so, we record on Mondays and we deliver on Tuesday. That's how it works. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> It is uh, it is Independence Day in Finland, which is actually pretty good. Cool. Cool. Finland is now 104 year old. And it's 104 year old or 104 yes. years independent? Independent. Yes, that is the right way of saying that. You are absolutely yeah. correct. Older than that. Now, right? my, my name is Esla Juvonen. <laughs> I work as a program manager in the Microsoft 365 platform areas on the ecosystem and open source. And with me as a co-host is Waldek. Who are you? Hi, everybody. My name is Valdek Mastikas, and I'm Cloud Developer Advocate for Microsoft 365 and Microsoft. Excellent. And in the BMP Weekly, always uh, have a, well, always, typically we have a visitor, and uh, quite often we have a visitor, uh, and then we cover the latest what has happened within the blog post uh, and in the, the community articles. Now, this time um, we were joined by Derek uh, Cash Peterson. I needed to double check uh, that I, I, I didn't get the full name properly. But names, Derek, names, <laughs> names. Exactly. Derek worked as a consultant, or I what was the right title, and an architect uh, in the Sympraxis Consulting. Um, and it's based on Reykjavik. So and we had a good discussion related on how did he ended up <laughs> moving from Poston to Reykjavik and about his past. And, and some good tips also for people who are looking into building their uh, consulting career in Microsoft 365. But let's actually jump on that uh, interview right away, and we'll come back on the articles right after that. So welcome, Derek, joining us on the BMP Weekly episode 146. You are calling from, well, apparently it's not as cold a Krakia week as we thought that it would be. You're not calling. We're not calling. What is calling? Fine. Fine. (laughs) It's this calling. Thank you, Valdek. Derek, can you do a quick (laughs) intro who you are? (laughs) Sure, sure. I'm Derek Cash-Peterson. I work at Simpraxis Consulting. And um, right now, I am based out of Reykjavik, Iceland. And, and you are an MVP. Cold. And you are an MVP. You're an MVP. Yeah. Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm a brand so new MVP. I'm <laughs> not used to saying it yet. So, you know, it just uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue. So, <laughs> although it's been a week, right? It's been about Almost. a week. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I just I just got to put the slug on my on my first slide deck. So <laughs> that that is. Probably makes you feel like yes, accomplished. Uh, so I made it. I made and now it. I don't need to do anything anymore, right? <laughs> if only. <laughs> That's when the work just starts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but you are. Uh, I think it was this month. Uh, it's you and then Marcus. Uh, Marcus from uh, Germany, who are the new Office Hello. Developer yeah. MVPs. Uh, okay. So. So, congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's it, been a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, have you been an MVP? If it's been no, a while? no, no I was doing I was doing this work. I mean, I've been doing SharePoint work since 2006. Wow. So, and I never really, you know, I never really wanted to be an MVP. And then I started being a manager. And then I was like, I'm never going to be an MVP as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> And everybody on my team was in it, not, was was going towards being an MVP, but I was a manager. And then when I started working in some praxis, I was like, okay, this can be a thing now. I I, I can do this. So <laughs> it's actually a start from there. So so can you can you talk about what are you doing in some praxis? So what's what 
what do you do for for the work time? What do you Sure. Okay, it's hard, you know. What do you do for a living? <laughs> right now, um, I'm doing I'm doing some development work. Um, some ace, you know. Right now, I'm building aces, the adaptive card extensions, which I'm really having some fun with. Um, you know, I helped for a while. I was doing the um, the team samples that we worked on with you, which was. A great learning experience because it really helped me sort of figure out how to build across the entire stack of SharePoint and Teams and Aces and how to pull that all together. Um, I also do a fair amount of project management and like just technical project management and coordination. So I think that's one of those things like having been a manager and architecting projects and managing teams of people. Um, is sort of one of my sweet spots where I can sort of come in and sort of oversee a group of folks doing work. So yeah, yeah, and and it's as a Zoom Praxis. Zoom Praxis is a relatively small company, so it's like is it ten? Is it already eight? Not even. There's there's six of us total. Six. Okay, and it, it's more about basically than consulting based uh, uh, approach, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, all the work we do is is consulting, sort of project based consulting work. Yeah. Um, we don't sort of, you know, go sit on site for years and years and years, although we do have a few clients that, you know, some of us have worked with for a long time, but generally it's project based. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, and then let's let's actually talk about the other thing, which is interesting. You, uh, we said that you're calling, apparently calling is right, not the right term. Uh, thank you, Valdek, on that. But uh, so you're well, calling from Reykjavik. Um, yeah. How did that happen? Can you talk about that a bit? Okay, so it's sort of a it's it's an interesting story. So in 20, 2018, my husband and I, we my mother my mother took my son, our son, for a week every summer. And in 2018, my husband and I were like, we don't have a kid for a week. Let's go do something crazy. And so we decided just on like three days notice, we're like, let's go to let's go to Iceland. We've always wanted to go. And so we did. And we we came here for a long weekend. And, you know, we flew in like on a Thursday or Friday and then flew out on a Sunday night. And we had such an amazing time. And it just and it was summer, but it was just we, <laughs> it was a bit of a different. <laughs> there's the trick. There's the trick, yeah, it's a right? bait and switch. Um, we had such an amazing time and it's it's one of those things where i don't know if you've ever felt this but there are very few places in my life that i've lived where it felt like home like you just i just felt grounded and like just this sense of of space and and so forth so on the plane ride home we were talking about this and we were like this was so amazing. We should bring our son. And then, you know, we thought about it and it was like, oh, well, we don't have enough vacation time or we don't have enough money. We don't have X, Y, and Z. And I was working for another company at the time. And we both sort of like, we, we sat on that for a couple of days and then sort of realized that these were all constructs, right? We could change jobs we can change our lives and so that's what we did we actually we spent the next six months i started working for Simpraxis. my husband left his job and started um consulting himself <laughs> and so we both worked 100 percent remote and we decided that the next summer we were going to spend 10 weeks here yeah so we spent the entire we rented an apartment we 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 showed up our son got out of school on like a Friday that night, we were on the plane on our way here. 
And we just, we met so many wonderful and amazing people. And so we spent our 10 weeks and it was just, it was just a really sort of transformative experience for us. And we worked remotely anyway, so it didn't really matter. And so our COVID project, um, so we were originally trying, we were originally going to plan on moving, like going somewhere different every summer. So we were supposed to go, we came to Iceland for 10 weeks. We were going to go to Portugal in the summer of 2021. But even then we were like, we were spending a week in Reykjavik on either side of the trip. (laughs) So anyway, we decided that we just wanted to move here. Like we loved it so much that we're just like, forget it. We're just going to go. And And all the light in summertime, right? So yeah, the days will just go on and on and on. It was like 24 (laughs) hours a day. It was live. It was like, yeah, this, this is brilliant. Until it isn't. Netflix <laughs> at two in the morning, and you're you're like, oh, it's two. We should probably go to bed. <laughs> but yeah, so so that was our COVID project. Some people made sourdough, and we figured out how to get uh, how to get a work visa and move here, because <laughs> it's not that simple for um for non EU folks or yeah. non Nordic folks. So okay. Yeah. So anyway, so that's what we got here in July, Fourth of July, as a matter of fact. Cool. <laughs> Which is Independence so Day. You've been, you've, yeah. So you've been around for five months now, I guess, permanent or permanently. Yeah. Yeah. Five months we've been here, um, and it's great. I mean, we're we're it's there's a lot of things that are getting we we're that it, it takes a little while to get used to. Um, the darkness is one of them, obviously. Uh huh. Um, not having, because it's an island, not having quite as many options or creature comforts that we would have, um, you know, outside of Boston, you know, mm-hmm. so there's no Amazon here. There's no, um, you know, anything you want any electronics. There's like two electronic stores. Well, why would you want, like you have a flashlight and generator like these are probably the most essential things you will ever need <laughs> i don't, in I don't Iceland, think you right? need those in Reykjavik. come on <laughs> I don't think you need those. The, sun, the sunlight the 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 city's too bright yeah exactly okay <laughs> well i mean but in case there's an emergency or you want to go to a cabin or you want to explore the nature i don't know yes yes we don't have a car so there's not a whole lot of nature exploring right now <laughs> huh yeah we have and to borrow a friend's car and renting a car is really, really expensive. Wasn't that the yeah, case? If I remember, it yeah. was. I don't honestly. I haven't checked recently, but yeah, during during COVID, all the car companies sold their cars. So now, it, to just to stay afloat. So now that the tourists are coming back, the the number of cars right. that are available is super low, so they can jack yeah. the prices up. So <laughs> it was uh. it was something like seven hundred dollars US for us to rent a car for two days, and wow. it was what. You could probably buy a car for that. <laughs> Cars here. I don't know how old it will be, but you should be able to buy. Probably like like we see it here. Like you can buy a car for fifteen hundred, but then probably the insurance and maintenance yeah, well, costs yeah, that's more true. than for itself. I haven't even uh, looked into that yet. I, honestly, I live in the city. I live within walking distance of just about everywhere I need to go. So. Yeah, Reykjavik, Reykjavik, there is Reykjavik no need Chen- for you to go anywhere, right? Because you work remotely, so you don't need to be remote. anywhere. True. Yes. True. Yeah. In my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> you have and a Reykjavik work home distance of computers. I don't. Unfortunately, unfortunately, our our space. One of the trade offs we had to make was in 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 the U.S. We had we had a big enough house that 
I had a designated workspace. My husband had a designated workspace and they were at opposite ends of the house. Um, in coming to Reykjavik, we did have to downsize a little, a lot. And <laughs> so we have a desk on the opposite sides of it. <laughs> not quite my um my office is in the bedroom and his office is in the living room so yeah yeah right. and the only reason we were in the same room except that they uh they've been doing construction on the walk the the walkway in front of my house since july so i couldn't mm -hmm. deal with the jackhammers mm -hmm. and the uh front end loaders the dumps the the big cranes dumping dirt in our yeah so and the house prices are pretty high in the in the Nordic area because of the weather conditions yeah. and all of that stuff. So it's it's yeah, in general, it's pretty expensive comparing to the prices in the US. So yeah, I mean how's it it's it's for living in the city, it's it's less expensive than the a comparable sized house in in the city of Boston, but it's still expensive. So yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Now, um, that's the, the current situation. Let's go back in time. You, you actually, before we started recording, uh, you said that you, you started uh, with SharePoint back in 2006. Um, so can you talk about your career uh, development? How did you end up choosing a SharePoint? All right. Uh, let's see. So I had actually, so before I even started web development, um, I, was a, I was a sex educator. <laughs> So I did public health. I would go to schools. I would talk to kids in schools and stuff like that. And um, and part of that work was at 1999, 2000. And uh, one of the things that I started doing was I taught myself web development, front end web development. And so I was using, you know, back in those days, chat rooms and stuff like that to help educate folks. So I saw the sort of need and the ability to bring technology into into public health work. And so I just taught myself and then I decided that I really needed to make more money than I was making in the public sector. And so, so I started doing agency work, you know, as a consultant. And they did all we did all public facing websites. So I actually got started building public facing websites using Microsoft Content Management Server. Yeah. Before that, it gotcha. was called it was called Encompass Resolution. Yep. Yes. And, and there's yep. like five people in the world that worked with that tool. <laughs> but so I worked with Encompass Resolution and then I sort of moved into MCMS 2001, 2002. And then when they discontinued MCMS and brought all that stuff into SharePoint 2007, that's when I jumped in and started doing doing SharePoint work. And I, you know, I stayed doing more or less public facing work into 2010 and and you know, SharePoint 2010. And then I moved, you know, I moved jobs several times. But after doing that, I just sort of started doing more intranets and and more of more of that type of work. And then I just sort of ended up, this is sort of where I ended up. Like I'm good at it. And <laughs> It's fun. So, you can deliver. You get paid. It is so. yeah, exactly. I mean, it is. It's a lot of fun, and it's it's constantly reinventing itself. And that's the thing that I really appreciate about sort of where I've been in the last few years is that it was you know it was all server side. I mean, I started as a front end dev doing HTML and CSS, and sort of pulling all that into public facing work. And now, you know, I'm sort of going back in that direction again after having spent so yeah. many years doing server side code. Yeah. So. 
So related on that, you also said that you, you've, you've done adaptive cart and development and SPFX and all of that stuff. Well, how's, how do you see the transition uh, from the server side where we are right now? Is it a limiting factor? Is it interesting? It's, any, any thoughts on that? DLLs. Um, where are my DLLs? Where are my DLLs? Exactly. Yes. I had yes. to ask. I had to ask Julia the other day. I, I like needed to. I needed to decompile something, and I remember back in the old days we could like use a tool and decompile a DLL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to say I enjoy. I I feel like client side dev is a little more freeing than it is. I still I can't get behind CSS in JavaScript, but but I do think. It's a little more freeing, right? Like I remember having to carry around the huge laptops with the giant batteries and the giant oh, yeah. hard drives and all the all the RAM and like and it was so much work to set up a new environment. I I really really enjoy the sort of freedom of just sort of you know installing Node and being good to go and you know installing a few packages and 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 really just being able to do it. Um, I also really enjoy the fact that because we're building in SharePoint on the server side. If you could do it and do it well, you were like a unicorn, right? And that was great for my career. But when I start looking at the community, being able to democratize democratize development like that and really put it in standard tools that folks know how to use. So if you know how to use React, you know how to use TypeScript, you can do SharePoint work. You can do office development work. And so I really appreciate that because it doesn't feel like a really like... In 2007, 2010, like it felt like a closed club. And that if you mm-hmm. knew how to do it, you were in the club. And if you didn't, the learning curve was too high. you didn't. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I mean, when I even when I was working on a team and building a team, I, I would, you know, if they didn't have ser- server-side code specifically in SharePoint, they could be a back-end developer or a full-stack developer. But if they didn't know SharePoint, they weren't getting the job because sure. it was sure. too hard to right. teach. Yeah. And so yeah. I really do. I really appreciate it. And it's, you know, and it's moving. So it keeps me interested. And you know. how, do, how do you see the, the development with the Viva connections and Viva cards? And are you seeing a demand for that? We did work with you on, on building some of the samples, but are there actually customer demand for, for that side of the house? We're just starting to see folks that are coming in and saying, I want Viva. <laughs> and they're not quite getting the like, the nuances that it's actually for different things or multiple different products. They just, they're like, I want Viva. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't say, don't, like, okay. Okay. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily a whole lot of demand yet, but one of the things that it's, it's really important to be able to do, and this is like what, what I try to do is understand how to tell the whole story and how all the pieces work together. And so it's not just about bringing your internet into teams, right? It's not just building a teams app. It's how can we build the right tool for your business and right. get it in the hands of the users to make the user experience better. And whether that's a custom adaptive card extension or whether mm-hmm. that's one of the out of the box ones or whether it's a teams app, it really doesn't matter. It's like, here are the different tools that we have in the toolbox. And let's let's pick the right one for, to build, you know, to solve the right problem. So. And if you look like, yeah. like what, what are the different things you build? Where do you see majority of the work being done? Is it in extending Teams? Is it in extending SharePoint, extending Viva, Power Platform, all of it, none of it? So a lot of it tends to be 
business process oriented. So mm-hmm. I I need a a solution a workflow solution, right? I I'm working in we had a client. They're they're using team. We help them set up teams, and they are they have 150 sort of satellites, and all of those users need to pass data into the you know the the headquarters for instance and so you know i end up like i said using the best tool for the job and so you know i had to do some provisioning work there and so i wrote you know i wrote an azure function to do the provisioning work um there was also some workflow there you know so i built a logic app to do some of that other stuff that more automated kind of stuff and then push the data back so and then so yes and no, it's all the above. It's just finding the <laughs> right thing for the right. client. But yeah, I mean, we've been doing uh, we've been doing some Teams development, um, just sort of putting in the Teams apps. I think the Aces aren't quite there yet from a public perception perspective. There needs to be a better story to tell and more demos to show folks. So that's why I think being able to show what that extension point is will help drive more you know, more adoption of it. Yep. And that's, that's of course, all about storylines and explaining how it, and drawing that picture, how it could be actually used. And I, I do completely agree on that. I think in a lot of the, the messaging, what we've been done, uh, well, the Viva messaging has been, you like your employees, you want to invest on Viva, right? So we're, we're <laughs> basically forcing the, the leadership, in quotes, forcing the leadership right. to be really paying attention on the Viva. Then the, the, the ACES is, is a bit of a kind of a more complicated story, explain what they actually are and what are you going to achieve about the mobile experience. So it is your personal, not portal, your company portal, but it's your company mobile experience so exactly and telling yep. that story in the right way uh, with cool demos and samples that always takes time yeah as simple as that yeah <laughs> bam done that's exactly that right? <laughs> there's nothing more to it <laughs> well that's i mean you know that's really been the direction that we've gone in terms of extension and customization over the years right like yep. we were all on the on the server side you want to customize SharePoint? No problem. We can do that. And we're going to write some code and make that happen. Whatever you want. Exactly. Whatever you want. I mean, I spent years making SharePoint not look like SharePoint, right? Yep. You didn't. <laughs> and then, exactly. And then like we brought it all the way back and we're like, no, you can't customize anything, right? Yeah. Out of the box, just use it. And now we're sort of coming back into the other side of that, that the pendulum swing. We're like, it's okay. But here's the box that you can code into. Yeah. And so we're trying to, like, from a from a messaging perspective, it was because customization's good. And then, oh, no, customization's bad. And now we're sort of, you know, trying to uh, reframe, the, reframe the conversation and say, yeah. let's do them when they're appropriate. Yeah. Well, so, nobody's... So with that, I mean, like, like, you've seen in the past... Right, that that as you said, like we used to change everything about everything. Like basically, SharePoint didn't look like SharePoint at all, right? right? And at some, especially now, like things aren't as flexible. Like you cannot just put a piece of script on a page. Things change every week, so it's like you don't want to mess up with the DOM because whatever app you build might break tomorrow. Yes. So, to what degree do you see? people kind of escaping to power apps, saying like, I cannot do it here, but in power apps, it's kind of this low friction place where I can do that. I can build my, and I 
own the experience and nobody will change that. Do you see that? Or is it like a, nah, it's not that simple. <laughs> I don't know yeah, whether I'm going to have it. So you what? can be open and transparent. We are among yeah. friends, so you can be transparent on the feedback. I'm yeah, and everybody so else in the world problem. listening to us, but hey, no <laughs> <Yeah>. pressure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm a little, t I'm, I'm torn by power apps, honestly, because yeah. I really enjoy, I appreciate the democratization, right? Like you don't need to be able to write code in order to write an app. Yep. Is it always the right solution for the job or is it because, or is it being used because the person that is doing the work can do a power app versus being right. the right yes. tool for the job? Yep. Um, I personally, I see power apps being used and flow and, or power automate. Like I, I, I see those tools being used because they are the only tool that are available and they are not necessarily the right tool. Like an Azure function is probably more reliable than a power app or a flow for depending on the scenario, what the load is, how, you know, how much data is coming in, where does everything need to be stored? So, you know, it, it really depends on what I'm, what I'm looking at and what I try to do. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I built a, I built a really great, system where I, and I built it all in Power Automate. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Where I think it was the, the thing I said before, where, you know, all these folks in 150 different satellite offices, they needed to push their content into the headquarters. I built it all automatically provisioning flows on the different sites. And it worked mm -hmm. great until it didn't. And then <laughs> I was like, oh, I should have built this as a, I should have built this as an Azure function. And so I actually ended up tearing it out and building it as an Azure function. Yeah. <laughs> because what happened was they ended up hitting the limit that they were using a service account to do the work. And um, right. they ended up hitting the limit on the number of flows that you could have. Huh. And so okay. <laughs> I wasn't aware that there's even a limit on that. But hey, there is no limit. There's there's a limit. There is a limit on the number of flows, the number of runs. Yeah. Yep, there's a limit on the number of flows that an individual user can have yep. created under their account, and it's something like 600. So all of a sudden, they had sites that weren't being provisioned properly because they hit the number and there was no, it wasn't erroring out, it just didn't do it. Yep. And so I was like, wow, oh, okay. And so I ended up, you know, stripping it all out and building it as an Azure function. But the 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 point being that what looked like the right tool at the right time really wasn't the right yeah. <laughs> the right but that but that's actually always that's i think that's experience right that's part of the yeah. life we we try we test it out and there are real things uh, or is there a simpler way than learn from mistakes to know those right. things it's yeah. called docs <laughs> but who reads docs <laughs> Well, I guess so. I I guess it it is twofold, right? It's one, the fact that we need to have dogs that do explain all these edges, limitations, and the scenarios. Yeah. Like when is this applicable? And two, being and able I guess, to find them. And and I guess that's one of the problems that we keep on having as a Microsoft is that all of the documentation is in individual silos and it's basically focusing always on this feature, this functionality is awesome. This functionality is awesome, you can do X and Y and Z. This functionality is awesome, you can do X and Y and Z, but there's never actually a choice, uh, let's say matrix, where you would go in the top and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do this thing. What are my options? And yep. that kind of documentation just doesn't exist. It depends. So, 
Well, of course it well, depends. It does depend. So, it, that's why we have, we, we have partners, right? So that's that why we have consultants. Yes, yes, exactly. So. But it also depends on sort of non-technical factors, right? Like yes. yeah. I may build a solution using a logic app or a power app because the people that are going to end up inheriting it when I'm done at my client don't know how to write code. So, yep. you know, yep. I may choose that, that avenue instead of SPFX or instead of an Azure function because of a maintain, you know, maintainability. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And that, that, that is a very interesting point, right? Because as you mentioned, there are so many facets to choosing the right technology stack, right? Because it's not a single thing, right? Because right. it's like you have your UI layer, you have the way you communicate with APIs, you have processes, you have the automated part to it, you have where you store the data, and it all depends on 20 million things like your governance, compliance, security, skill set, who's going to maintain it, how does it need to run, manage versus unmanage the license you have, and whatnot. And you need to factor all of that in eventually, and then comes one, you need this, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and how to be a objective, uh, objective consultant with all of those choices rather than just always being, because I know this, and of course, everything looks like because a needle I because a I know hammer, the hammer. Everything exactly. becomes a uh, nail, right? So, yep. and and I guess that's really the hard part for also for if you think about customers, how can they find the right consultants who would have the experience through the spectrum so that they can actually choose oh, the right yeah. set of tooling? Yeah, it's and do we have any certification or verification program for that? No, we don't. So at that scale, it, no, not really. Yeah, but that would be huh. Well, that would almost seem sound like the MCM program we used to have way back when. True. But true. now, changing weekly. Yeah, that to gets a bit and complicated. Factor in the latest SDKs and patterns and yeah. the ways yeah. to do things today. Yeah, yeah it's, it is interesting, definitely. Yeah, and we're always learning too. So you know, there might be a new, you know, there might be a new connector out there for power apps or the, for the power platform that I didn't know about. You know, yep. and. Yeah. So I'm constantly learning too. I don't know. That's I. Th I think that's a really hard skill. I mean, personally for me, I you know, I always tell clients, you don't need to work with me, but you know, find somebody you trust. If it's not me, find somebody that you trust and you and you like vibe with them, and you you know, you think they're giving you the best the best advice. Because a bad consulting relationship is always bad. Like yeah, <laughs> if you don't trust folks, if you don't trust the folks building your solutions or they're not being scrupulous or whatever, like that's just not cool and it's not gonna end well. True. So. Well, and and then, at the end of the, of, the, of the day, right? I mean, you always expect an objective advice. The problem is you don't know what you do not know and nobody knows everything, true. right? So I guess being clear on it, what do I know as a person? What are my blind spots? And how do I communicate it to the customer? So they can say, hey, if you come to me, around compliance, I cannot advise you on that. I right. just don't know enough. And I think that that is really hard, like to know what you do not know. Yeah. 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 And that's one of the cool things that I appreciate about working with Simpraxis is that we're all, we all sort of have our little silos of what we're really good at. And if you don't know what you don't know in Power Platform or in PowerShell or automation, like there are places I can go to get that information. And I can talk with Julie or Mark or Emily about a solution that I'm building. And they may go, 
are you sure you want to do it that way? Was it was it intentional that you didn't mention Todd? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Todd. I love Todd. But that's that's, anyone, part, anyone you know, that's part of the. Did I get everybody? And Mike, Mike, yeah, Mike, Emily, Julie, Todd, Mark, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's part of the model, right? So like, I don't need to know everything about administration and automation because I know somebody that knows that really well. Yeah. And if that's a component to my project or should be, I know where I can go to get it. Yeah. So. And that's, that's of course, the, the beauty of a well-functioned small company is yes. like Synpraxis. So I guess Synpraxis objectives isn't even growing to be a multi-thousand people uh, company. It's, so. it's not the model. It's not what we're looking for. And you know it's just it's 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 all about finding those that for lack of a better word like the dream team like those people that you've worked right. with in your in your career that you would want to work with again because they're really really good yeah. both on a personal level and a professional level like that's the that's the model and it's not one of like explosive growth it's about oh and this is actually how I showed up right like I was at a company and I was not happy and i asked julie one day i was like okay listen just if any of your clients have any or you hear of anybody that's looking for anybody let me know and the next week she emails me and she's like come have lunch with me (laughs) (laughs) we have an offer which you cannot refuse exactly and i was like and i was like oh wow like okay cool sure yeah you know (laughs) So makes makes perfect sense. Now, from a timing perspective, um, I, yeah. I we're trying to get this uh, squeezed in a, under an hour um, because we have the articles to go through as well. Um, but yeah. um, I wanted to put you on a spot still. Um, so this is always fun without any warning. Um, as a experience consulting driven person, what would be your three to five tips for a younger generation who want to do stuff what you do? So moving in to be a high end consultant. Uh, moving to Iceland. Area. <laughs> oh, it starts from there. Yes, of course. I don't know. Like you said, like doing stuff you yeah. you do, right? So yeah. it's a part so, of that. So I guess I guess one <laughs> of the things is don't be afraid to make it happen, right? I had somebody I had somebody tell me, you know, don't don't get caught up in the nose, right? Like there's always, you know, you'll find somebody that will give you more money. You will find somebody that will give you more vacation time. You will like figure, don't listen to the nose, just figure out what you want in your life and go for it. And, you know, don't let anything stop you from doing that. I mean, I think from a, like from a consulting perspective, I think the soft skills are way more important than the technical skills. I can teach somebody how to write React. I can teach them how to do SharePoint work. I can't teach you how to be nice to clients when they're yelling at you. Um, So it's, I mean, I can, it's just hard. Um, (laughs) So like really, really understanding the softer skills, Um, you know, from a technical perspective, I will say I'm I am really a back to basics kind of person. Um, understand HTML, understand CSS, and understand JavaScript. Because if you can understand those three things in this space, you'll be able to to figure out everything else. Yeah. 
Um, right. You know, I think those are really, you know, hacking divs together is like some of the code I've seen is just really bad. <laughs> so, you know, being able to understand what you're doing and what when you copy and paste, understanding what it does, those are also really important skills to to have. Like, don't just do it. <laughs> Take right. the time to learn it and figure it out. I, so, get, I, I don't know. I love the, the yeah. don't don't concentrate on no's and just keep on trying to figure out where you want to go and then gradually heading to that direction. That is actually a really good advice. So I had a, a related on this one, actually. I had a, a good uh, friend popped uh, in for a coffee uh, yesterday uh, with uh, with her husband. And we had a long talk because she's moving potentially to a different career from the current career, being a chemist and all of that and looking into moving to coding. And, and development, um, because you can do that remotely, it has more freedom. Hey, Vesa, do you that's have that. any tips? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's that was the discussion. So, um, but it, it's it's actually quite interesting to try to figure out the right things. People always have that. Okay, I need to study a lot. I need to read all of these books. And the answer is no, not really. Actually, that's not that you learn by doing, and that's the right way of approaching that. So not. We we actually have a book which is coding JavaScript for dummies, um, and that's what she came to pick up. And then I was reading that before, and it's like, no, no, you don't want to actually read this because you do not learn writing code by reading a book. It just doesn't happen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I learned that way to code. But you probably me. did some coding as well. So again, you don't well, start course, by reading like, a book. It's not like you can you can read about riding a bike. Like and, yeah, and, yeah. And eventually you need to get on a bike. It's the same exactly. here. Like exactly. But on the other hand, just to code without any background is like you can copy paste some code and it works. True. But yeah. do you really learn? So it's like it is kind of things that you have to do in parallel, right? Like you need to you you need to do it. You need you need to pay your dues in a way and spend the time typing. But it also good at some point. Okay, what am I actually typing? What does that thing do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would say I learned more. I learned more. I mean, yes, I had the whole stack of SharePoint books, right? Like, and and I looked at them all the time. My my copy of Andrew Connell's MCMS book, right? Oh, yeah. Had Which had sticky tabs yeah. everywhere. Um, I got rid of them all when we moved. But <laughs> but you mean the uh, tabs or the books? The books, all the books, all the books went to the went to the uh, to the to the to the Goodwill shop, the secondhand shop. Um, but yeah, but so yeah, I mean, I read the books, but I really I learned more by working on projects with a new technology and doing it. And I think the you know the other thing I would say to somebody that was just starting out, find a mentor that you trust who oh, yeah. can review your code and can help give you objective advice because. I have learned so much from the people that I've worked with over the years that it's really valuable just to like put that ego aside and go, so-and-so, can you just look at this for me? Tell me, is this the right solution? Yep. And then they will yeah. provide feedback and then learning not to take that feedback in a don't criticize me way, right? So learning right. to take well, it in a, wow, this is actually cool. And uh, let's, yeah. let's so, I mean, I learned to be a better programmer because of exactly. that. And exactly. that's, you learn by failing. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, whether it's today or whether it was six months ago or six years ago or 20 years ago, like, I remember the th places where I failed and where I've changed what I do now differently because yep. of it. So, yeah. And 
and I guess with that, like, there's always a better way to write code. It's there's always a clearer way. There's always an easier way, a more efficient way. And I can, like, I think it is it is illusion to be able to say I made it. You know, there there is nothing to improve. There's always something to improve, right? And I guess it's it's the mindset, the uh, being open to feedback and curious about like what else can you do. I think that that is eventually what allows you to learn. Absolutely. Totally agree. Cool. I think that's a great, um, a great to final statement <laughs> <laughs> discussion. We can go on and on and on. Uh, but thank you, uh, Derek, uh, joining, out, joining us on the, on the uh, chat discussion. Call is not a term I can use. See, while they come learning. So <laughs> I'm taking your feedback and adjusting that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So thank the you for joining us. The, nuances, uh, the power of nuances. <laughs> yes. And uh, and congratulations one more time uh, on thank the Office you. Developer MVP status. Uh, you should really open up the boxes and have a look on what's inside and, and put them on the back and all of that stuff. So if you have the room for doing that, like it, like uh, Waldeck has. So because the MVP status is on the back. So is it? Yeah, yes. Yes, it is. So uh, you know, forever. I don't even know where they're going to send my. Uh, Send my stuff. <laughs> I have to, I have to go point. look and see where they're gonna send it. Well, I guess at some point they will ask you address to ship it. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Everything <laughs> here is. I, I don't know. <laughs> but cool. Thank you, Derek, for joining. Uh, really good discussion. Um, so and and for those who are listening or watching, uh, we're going to jump then on the articles and we'll go through them and the last articles within a week uh, together with Wildtech. But thank you, Derek, on this one. Really, really good. Thank you. Folks. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Derek, one more time on, on joining us on the on the good discussion. Um, so good, good, good um, to catch up and congratulations one more time. I think that's like fifth time uh, saying that uh, on your newly received uh, newly received MVP uh, award. Um, it's now five days from that moment. I think this first of December was the day when he got yeah. that uh, email. So because every single first of the month, we'll send uh, the updates for the new candidates who are getting awarded. Those, by the way, who are wondering how do you get an MVP status? How do you get to be an MVP? Well, it's very broad, right? So basically, TLDR is share your technical knowledge with community. And that can be whether you're speaking at events, publishing books, writing blog posts, recording videos, building code samples, presenting on community calls. Anything's applicable, anything counts. The, the bottom line is, how do you help others in technology? Yes, yes. Helping others uh, and sharing your knowledge is, is for sure the key, as you were saying. Uh, and then somebody needs to nominate you as a Microsoft employee or an existing MVP. And then uh, you will submit the list of things, what you have done. And then that's going to be created up and thumbs up and thumbs down. And if it's thumbs up, you will get the MVP award. Um, and then you get the access on NDA stuff and all of that stuff. So there's some benefits out of it, out of it as well, which you lost or everything as you moved into Microsoft, right, Waldek? I do. I was never an MVP. So. Well, yes and no, right? So it's kind of. I don't think I am a good example of that. <laughs> what do I mean? <laughs> right. Well, because because when I moved, it's. Like my role means we're working closely with you and our product groups, and that gives us 
access on things like, anyway. It, so that's yeah, true. yeah, exactly. So so we stay more informed because it's our job to know what's coming, yep. what's coming with where, and to work as a, and to create these rollouts and plans, communicate around it. So it is it isn't really comparable, but yep. it's I think like for one being an MVP. Because you mentioned NDA stuff, right? And to clarify that, what is NDA stuff? It means getting earlier access to th- to announcements, to things that are coming, like being um, getting the additional insights about why things are the way they are, what's coming, yep. what are what what product groups have in mind, and where where you can help as an MVP. Yep. Um, being external employee, having direct access to customers to do to the field as it's as it's called, and bring that external expertise perspective and share it with us at Microsoft to help us build products for you and customers, right? Yep. So I guess like that is really all encompassing thing as NDA stuff. Sure, sure. Good clarification. Now. Um, Let's actually jump on this week's articles, and then uh, we're closing after that. So we do have, um, there was actually a, a relatively busy uh, week from the Microsoft, so let me actually share my screen. Um, and in here, so uh, first of all, uh, it's the last, it was the last days of the month. Uh, so then there's the monthly summaries from some of the, the products. Um, so for example, Teams had a what's new in Microsoft Teams. Uh, there is a video format on this one as well, but there was a lot of cool stuff uh, available here. Um, this one is something which, which we both kind of reacted um, when we were selling this because it's it's quite wow. So you, you're actually sharing uh, images from the camera directly in the call. So um, and this basically means that if you have a whiteboard or something in the meeting room where you have people sitting, and so then you can share that as a uh, as something to share in the call. That's and that's actually really really cool. Yeah. So you can. So in other words, for those who don't see the video we're looking at. Imagine that you have a physical whiteboard in your room and you're presenting through a camera and the whiteboard is like kind of a bit to the side. You can clip that part of your video stream and share it as a flat image, basically the same way you would take office lens to do a scan of a paper and that will then make it straight, make it look symmetrical, like all of that. And that in real time on screen through, through from a physical whiteboard or a yep. map or any diagram you might have in your room directly on a team's call. Like that is like, we're doing what? Wow. Like that exactly. was really cool to exactly. see. Exactly. That is really, really cool. And there's there's a lot of like this is a good example of a lot of this kind of advanced, let's say, features which are coming in on teams as well, making it also easier to democratize uh, the remote work uh, and the hybrid work. So, so really making sure that uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel that much different if you're uh, joining remotely on the calls rather than being in place in the meeting. Um, because in certain countries, people are already in the meetings. In certain countries, that's unfortunate and it's not the situation. But, um, but I guess we're heading more and more and, and we will see more and more of these kind of features uh, in Teams in the future as well. So other than that, a lot of, lot of new announcements, uh, some devices, stuff, cool looking things, cool looking uh, gear for sure, and not necessarily for a individual home. Uh, this one is really cool as well. So the Microsoft Loop uh, components are in Teams chat. Uh, so not, I think they were in the in the channel chat, but no, they were in a personal chat, but they were not in a Teams chat in the past. I think that's the, the uh, step forward. Um, but now you can actually uh, live see the live, you can collaborate directly in the Teams and see those uh, changes in real time, which is really, really cool. Um, the 
Microsoft Loop is basically the same as the Floyd framework was in the past, but now it has been rebranded as, as Microsoft Loop components. And other than that, a uh, lot of lot of improvements on the search results, as an example, getting improvements and all of that, uh, and a lot of lot of other really really cool uh, features. So uh, presentation presenter mode um, is is getting better and better. Uh, I think we have Peter's uh, blog post related on that one as well, and and a lot of lot of new stuff like like we release every single month. Now on SharePoint side of the house, uh, there was a first of all there's a, a really cute uh, the intro zone uh, podcast uh, entry with Andre Esipov. He's a principal program manager actually in the in my uh, platform team, and he's been focusing on the performance uh, improvements um, in the SharePoint and also in the Microsoft lists. Well, it's SharePoint behind of the scenes anyway, but still. So. Um, but it really, really cool stuff as well. And and sooner or later we get that, all of that stuff to be also potentially available for developers, or we can we can enhance those things and all of that. So Andrew is doing a great job in there. Uh, other than that, a lot of lot of great announcements uh, here as well. Microsoft Viva, uh, uh, they'll say I think this has been public for a while already, but Ally 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 Ally. IO.io is, is joining to be the fifth uh, Viva, uh, Viva module. And of course, more is to be happening in the future as well. So the Viva, Microsoft Viva is a set of tooling and products um, as a, and, and then those can be individually acquired. So, uh, and a lot of, lot of uh, great improvements on the, on the creation, uh, page editing, and all the, because that's, that is really the, bread and butter of SharePoint nowadays, and SharePoint Framework 1.13 came out last month as well, and a lot of other, other improvements as well. So really, really cool stuff. Maybe one thing to call out uh, is the, the Microsoft Feedback, uh, both still in preview, but basically the replacement for the user voice uh, is now available for Microsoft Teams and SharePoint and OneDrive and all of that. So you can continue voting uh, on those features, which are the most requested ones. So super, super important indication for us in Microsoft that you actually need that feature. So. Right, cool. Uh, then uh, we had a, a blog post from Matt uh, Volodorsky, and, and this is the series where he talks about uh, the journey on the Viva topics, so what, what you should be considering taking the Viva topics into use. And this is the third uh, blog post on that, so it's now we are on the implement uh, phase. So uh, basically considerations and steps and processes, how do we take this into a use? and, and uh, we have topics into our use. So really good stuff as well. So thank you, Matt, on that. Now, um, Rabia and Bob had a new video uh, related on single sign-on on Teams tabs. Do you want to do a quick intro on, on what are we talking here? Putting on a talking about implementing the single sign-on experience in Teams tabs or in apps exposed as Teams tabs in Teams, right? Yeah. So the idea is that you, you have an app that isn't available anonymously, right? You need to authenticate to that app. But if you expose that, or when you expose that app in Teams, you're already authenticated in Teams. So how can we simplify or improve the experience by not requiring the users to sign in twice, one to Teams and then another one to uh, Teams apps. And then from there, they're also allowing that app to call uh, other APIs like Graph to retrieve and show the data in the context of an app. So yeah. all of that, Rabia and Bob explained, how do you do that? What are the different things you have to take into account when building your app and what is the right way to go about it? Yep, really, really good. And, and a great video and it has been also split into multiple sections, which is really, really cool. So you can really easily jump on, on what's relevant for you. So really, really good stuff in there. 
Now, uh, this one is from Tomomi, uh, developing enterprise-ready Microsoft Teams apps with the Teams Toolkit V3, uh, which is uh, also still in preview. Uh, but basically, we had Teams Toolkit V2, which was in developer preview. Now we have Teams Toolkit V3, which is an adaption or a newer version of that. But because there was a breaking changes, um, uh, the version number was uh, updated as well. But it's still in preview, uh, but it now it focuses more on the enterprise development uh, areas. So multiple environments and easily environmental variables and CI, CD and all of that stuff. So good blog post on, on summarizing uh, what's available and what are the main changes over there. Good. And then we had a uh, blog post in the Microsoft 365 community blog uh, so from uh, Ananda that is a really hard name to pronounce it. I do apologize for that. But uh, he has been actually doing this also live in the community uh, call. So how do you build this kind of a, a really cool video streaming uh, video catalog uh, using JSON definitions and then SharePoint spaces? So creating a cool experiences cool. Um, and how do we configure those and how do we make things look nicer and nicer using JSON definitions? So no code, right? So just chase uh, How many lines is it? <laughs> wow, it's 400. That, that is almost 500 lines of code you cannot debug. Yeah, well, that's JSON. <laughs> it's not code, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's pros. Yes. Now, uh, this one is from Yuri's Pullmans. So here we go. Uh, so Dataverse search, uh, the good, bad, and ugly. Uh, so basically how it works and what works uh, in the best way and what doesn't work uh, as you're doing things. Uh, so I'm not a Dataverse specialist um, personally. Have you tried um, on using this? Not yet, no. So that yeah. is yet on my plate to try. But I guess it, this is a very good post um, explaining the different gotchas that you need to take into account or different yeah. things you should keep in mind when you implement solution that uses it. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Good. And then Peter Venstra had a, uh, a blog post related on the presentation uh, mode uh, in the Microsoft Teams. And that, that's the one way we can actually split the camera and do the presentation on the side, or then you can overlay yourself uh, on top of the, the presentation as well. So, um, so no OBS or any other video tricks uh, needed anymore. So you can do that directly in Teams, which is pretty, pretty cool. So making it easier for everybody to take advantage. Yeah. Now, uh, Eli uh, had a, a really nice blog post related on uh, how to update uh, field values in SharePoint using the Microsoft Graph. So basically walking through the different uh, scenarios and what I need to consider and how do I update those field values using then uh, Microsoft Graph APIs or API SDK. And considerations like uh, how the, the field names Internal field might names. look like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, but really, really good podcast and and showing that, showing uh, again explaining the basics, uh, which is really really important. Then people can start building on top of those uh, learnings. Now this one's really cool from Marcus Miller as uh, from uh, Avenade. Yes, Avenade uh, is yep. uh, testing an Azure function using delegated access with Postman. And how can I do testing? I build an Azure function. How can I do test that with the Postman? Uh, so I can do different kind of value testing uh, as I'm calling things. Um, how do I get the access token? How do I bypass that uh, to the Azure function so that it can use the access token uh, as well? Yep. So really, really cool stuff as well. Thank you, Marcus. And by the way, congratulations on getting your MVP. Exactly. I was just about to say that. Yes.
And then uh, three more uh, extract all data, all uh, data table rows from uh, in a form using SharePoint Syntax. So SharePoint Syntax is basically our machine learning uh, uh, automation for document management. Um, it is getting more and more investments all the time internally. Um, and I don't think people are super familiar with it, uh, but basic idea is that it can actually do detections like following. So it can actually get information from the uh, documents um, and then used or present that in a more understandable format. So extracting the data and then indexing that, for example, and then make it make it more easily available. And all of the dynamic metadata and all of that is, is based on Syntax as well. So really, really cool stuff for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Leon, on that. Uh, Paulo had a new blog, uh, video, not blog post, a video related on extending Microsoft Viva Connection desktop with SPFX. So different options on that one. Uh, nice to two, uh, really, really quick video as well. So two minutes and 28 uh, seconds. And Julian and Luca had a, a, a video related on how to create a video library view with list formatting in SharePoint. And this is actually really, really cool stuff as well. So stepping through uh, the steps of creating something uh, which looks somewhat following. So actually really, really cool stuff. So again, using the, the list formatting capabilities for changing how we are rendering the list forms and list uh, information. So really, really powerful stuff as well. But that's it uh, for the articles this week. So. What's going to happen on your or what's on your agenda this week? Um, very much until the end of the the year. So it's twofold, right? So on the work front, um, I'm going through a few ideas internally at work that are at the end of the day geared towards improving developer experience on building M365 apps. And basically, we're in a stage where I'm thinking about what are different things that we could do, trying to write up the ideas, get them out of my head on paper, get feedback from others, and basically, at the end of the day, choose which ones we want to take, because there are only so many hours in a day, and you couldn't do it That's all. The right? So that, yes. that, that is one. And another one is on the front of CLI for Microsoft 365, we are keeping adding updates. We are exploring new ideas, new commands, new improvements. Uh, and one of the things we're working specifically on are commands for uh, M365 apps. So imagine you're building an app, whether that's a single page app or React web app or ASP.NET web app, and you want to bring that to M365. What does that mean? What are the different things you need? And how can we help you in the process? What are different commands or features that we could add to make it easier for you to bring that app in? to manage it, manage it, life cycle, and so forth, and so on. So yeah. we're thinking about that, and you should be seeing more features uh, around that area coming soon. Yeah. There's, what, there's what a constant you? flow of commands in the CLI, uh, which is really, really cool. How many commands there is, by the way? You know? I think we have over 400 now. That's actually pretty cool. So. And it's still like, and it still feels like Scratching we don't have so the much. Surface. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. There is so much we don't have. Like, we have a yeah. lot. But there's also so much more we don't have. And it's actually yeah. twofold, fold, right? Because on one hand, we have like really projection of the API to command. So like get all sites, get a site, delete a site, create a site. So very much the CRUD operations. Yep. But then there are, there are scenarios like upgrade SPFX project, which is a scenario, which is a set of steps we're doing, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And along these yeah. lines, it's never ending because every single day there are new scenarios, new use cases that we could add to simplify the different steps and not require people to really think about the work they have to do in a robotic way. Like I need yep. to do this step and then I need to take the input and put it in this step. Not like 
we understand what you need to do. Tell us what you need to do, and we will do all the different steps that are required for you because we know yep. them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Good, good. Uh, now on my agenda, uh, last week was a bit busy because we had the European uh, Collaboration Summit, uh, which was actually yeah. really, really cool. How was that? So um, we had 1,300 registered uh, attendees plus the organizers, speakers, and then uh, sponsors. So it is a lot Ooh. of people. Uh, but then at the same time, as the Omni, I can't remember, I can't remember how the, the Omni thing, Omicron, uh, Omicron uh, the, the kind of a news media went crazy on it on Friday. And, and then the conference started with the pre-day on Monday. That meant that during the weekend where people were still like, what is this? And trying to figure out, is it safe to move or not? Um, a lot of people yeah. unfortunately canceled. So uh, I think there was 2,500 registered uh, people on the conference, 1,300 came. And it was actually really, really cool. So everybody, yeah. they will say, everybody's validated for having the vaccinations and scanning and all of that stuff in EU. Uh, there's a, a simple, basically, application, you know, and you get the official uh, uh, certificates, and then you can do that with the mobile, which is actually really cool. Um, and everybody was wearing masks and all of that stuff. So it went really well. So really, really cool. cool. Um, obviously, a lot to prepare and do and talk and, and all of that stuff. So so that took up most of uh, last week. Uh, but now it's time to catch up. And then pushing out SharePoint Framework 1.14 uh, beta is coming this week. Um, so it might Ooh, be. Cool. And there's a lot of Any... actually stuff in that. Yeah, exactly. Any top hack? Highlights what's coming. Uh, so for Not me, yet. at least, yeah. the the big thing which I, I I guess I created the design for them as even uh, because I do some feature BM stuff every now and then uh, is the new templates. Uh, so basically, uh, as you create your new default web part, um, it is already um, adapting the Microsoft Teams or SharePoint theming backgrounds and all of that stuff. So there's there's much more intelligence. Ooh on the output projects because we haven't actually updated the default project for like six years uh, and it starts looking pretty yeah. ugly so <laughs> it's about time to <laughs> well, pump up the yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean you can have you can you, you can have an opinion how it how it looks like but at the end of the day it's it's really good to hear that you're looking into helping developers build things that work great in the what we have now as opposed to what we used to have when SPFX exactly. was exactly. was was exactly. initially shipped, right? Because so, so. a lot has changed since then. Automatically detecting the the Microsoft Teams theming and all of that stuff and changing the the rendering and and all of that is being outputted on the on the web part automatically by default. You can uh, the intention is that you can actually bypass this complexity as well because the, we we got actually kind of a mixed feedback around this uh, investment, mm -hmm. which says no no I already know SPFX I just want to have a starting point which is as minimal yeah. as possible. But then if you don't know SPFX and you don't know what is a section background, or if you don't know what is a theming, uh, how the theming should be applied, it would be good to have a, a bit more polished example. So we're yeah. trying to address both of the, the objectives uh, with this change. So. Uh, will, you also, will you also include the guidance for folks who used to write all of that code by themselves to yes. move to the things we, available in SPFX so that they can remove that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a documentation side of the house, and and we need to write some new documentation. <laughs> Additional docs, 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 docs. Exactly. <laughs> now that you say it. So. Anyway, so uh, but Good that's idea. happening this week. Um, but goes anyway the week after the 
after uh, most of the people in Redmond are going to go uh, for a holiday break. So, and that means that there's more time to actually make stuff happen. Well, some great. people in Europe so. will also go eventually for a holiday really? break, which is well deserved. So, yes. Some okay. people, I said, not everybody. <laughs> yes. Just to give enough room for you to to be to stay and be able to work. Exactly. Because exactly. I said so. <laughs> uh, that sounds bad. No, no, it's just kidding. Anyway, so um, I will have days off here and there as well. So it's okay. It's okay. So, but I especially like to talk to you actually with uh, directs. Uh, Direct interview as well because of the the Finland, for example, being in the north, uh, it means that during winter time there isn't that much light. The sun is now set. It is 3:45, mm-hmm. which is actually on the afternoon, and it's already dark outside. So, wow, and that means that you rather want to prioritize the vacation time in summer when there's a lot of light, and then on winter time, well, it's dark dark anyway outside. So why why would you take time off? So. <laughs> you have streaming services. Maybe you well, want to read a true. book. That is you true. Play that's games. Fair. I don't know. That is fair. That's fair. That you should around. I think plus the weather is right now pretty rough, but that's a separate discussion. I think we were hitting yeah. minus twenty six in the wind factor yesterday, and that's pretty tough. In Celsius. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is minus seven in Fahrenheit, so it's just still a lot. Anyway, so. I think we'll have one more uh, BMP weekly before we go uh, to a holiday break as well. So it's just a bit of a warning for those who are watching and following. Um, so we'll have one more week from uh, the moment when this is getting released. And then we'll have a few weeks off um, because everybody is taking some time off. I guess most of people are we'll taking some time off. we'll see you in a year, off. right? And exactly. then we're going to see you in a year. <laughs> yes. yes. Anyway, thanks everybody for watching and listening. Uh, we'll be back with the BMP weekly within a week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.